Amen. Thank you, Brother Mike, and thank you, music ministry. How many of you would agree with the sentiments of that last song, that God is so good in your life? How many say, God did something for me this week to prove that he's good in my life? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you tell your neighbor, t- tell him right now, God, what, what did God do for you? Lean over and just tell him, God did something special for me. Here it is. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Some of you want to talk in church. This is your time. This is your chance. Tell your neighbor what God did for you. Amen. Wonderful. God is so good. I like to hear that. Keep on going. That's great. That's wonderful. I, uh, I went to Bible college, and the church that I went to college at was uh, the pastor there. Loved to have people talk in church like that. It took some getting used to, but I got used to it. And now I've been back here for 22 years, and, and I think we might need to get reused to that, I guess. But uh, it's good. The Bible does say that as believers, we have a testimony And we need to be bold about sharing what God has done for us. And God has been so good to this church and so good to us as his people. We're undeserving of all of his blessings and all of his benefits. Uh, But uh, boy, we're, we're blessed with a faithful God, aren't we? And I'm thankful for his goodness in our lives. Let's take our Bibles this morning and go to the book of Genesis, chapter number 39. Genesis chapter number 39 is where we'll find our text. And uh, we began a couple of weeks ago preaching Uh, a lesson, a message series here on the life of Joseph, the life of Joseph, who is one of the great characters in all of the Bible. And uh, you'll know that he is introduced to us in Genesis 37, and we take a brief break, or the Bible takes a brief break from his life in Genesis 38 to kind of give us a glimpse of something that his brother is dealing with. But then we come to Genesis 39, and it picks back the story up in verse number one, and I want you to look at it with me if you would. The Bible says in verse number one, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Now notice the next phrase. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. You know, I'm reminded, don't tell me how spiritual you are. Show me how spiritual you are. In other words, when, when God's hand is really on an individual, they don't have to tell everybody about it. People will see it. Here's a pagan man. He does not know God. He does not know the God of the Hebrews, never been introduced to him, and yet he sees something is different about this young man. God's hand is upon them. That's what's different. Verse number four, and Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had, he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well-favored. I'd like to preach to you a message that comes right out of the very first phrase of that second verse, where the Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And the Bible continues to emphasize the blessings and the benefits that fell upon Joseph's life and really everyone that was nearest to Joseph during this time 
because God's hand of blessing was upon Joseph. A week ago today, we as a church celebrated 65 years of ministry here in Northeast Ohio, and God gave us a great day. I'm so thankful for all that the Lord did here today and just for the sweet spirit that sort of just kind of prevailed over us on that day. And I thought to myself as I was preparing this message that 65 years ago, a young man, a young family came to Cleveland, Ohio, fresh out of Bible college and, and, uh, and, and with a calling on their lives. And many of you know the story. There were some, even people that they loved and people that they looked up to as mentors and influences in their lives that tried to dissuade them or prevent them from coming to Cleveland to start a church. They, they said, it's too hard. There's, uh, there's other people better than you, greater preachers than you, um, longer tenured pastors than you that have gone to Cleveland, Ohio, and they have failed. Don't go there. Go somewhere else. And yet, there was a burning passion and a burning desire in their lives. They knew that this was where the Lord had called them, and so they came despite what the doubters and the naysayers said. They came anyway. He may not have come with a set plan, uh, maybe not a team of supporters around him, maybe, maybe not a wealth of knowledge and experience, but listen, listen, I want to I help you understand something. He came with something far greater than those things. He came with the blessing and presence of the Lord upon his life. And we look around today, and we, we see it as we sit in this room this morning. We reap, listen, we reap the benefits of a man who followed God and a man who had the hand of God, the presence of God upon his life. Though he came to Cleveland alone, listen, God was with him. We discover very early on here in the narrative of Joseph's life the, the secret to his extraordinary story. Uh, we, we might say that he's one of the great characters in the Bible. And we discover here in the very early portion of Genesis 39 what it was that made Joseph so great. I don't fully know why God perhaps chooses certain people to soar above the rest in some way or another, but God is sovereign and God can empower and elevate whomsoever he will. Joseph was not a man dreaming great dreams on his own. In other words, what we find in Genesis 37 wasn't Joseph and that wasn't his, his plan and his dream for his life. Listen, that was God dreaming some dreams for him. No, God, his hand was upon his life. The Lord was with him. Joseph was not prosperous because he had some secret ability to be successful or that he was smarter than everybody else. No, no, the Lord was with him. Joseph, in the next few verses, we'll look at this next week, Joseph was not able to stand up to the temptation of Potiphar's wife because he was some extraordinary man full of self-control. No, the Lord was with him. Joseph could not interpret dreams because he was able to peer into the some unknown realm of the spirit world. No, listen, the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph did not save the world from starvation because he was smarter than everyone else. No, the Lord was with Joseph. In other words, the secret all along the way, uh, the secret to Joseph's path to greatness was not anything that he could do. It had nothing to do with him, but it was the fact that God was with him. God was with him. The Bible reveals to us that you and I can discover that same strength for success in our own lives as we live the Christian life. And we discover, listen, it does not come because 
uh, because of our own self-will and our own self-discovery and our own self-power. No, no, listen. Listen, the secret, the secret to extraordinary Christian living is the God of heaven being with you and his hand being upon your life. The Bible says, Numbers 14 and verse number 9, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. The Bible says in Joshua 10 and verse number 42, And all these kings and their land did Joshua take at one time, why? Because he was a man of extraordinary military ability, because he was so good at dividing the people, because the people were so strong. That's why God gave them the victory. No, the Bible tells us in Joshua 10, 42, that he took all of the land at one time. Here's why. Because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. He was with them. The Bible says in Psalm 46, 1 to 3, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, we, listen, we will not fear. Though all of these natural disasters, and by the way, our world is full of natural disasters. If you, if you haven't noticed, you need to get your head out of the sand. Crazy things are happening everywhere. But listen, we have a God in heaven who is with us. He is our present help. He is our refuge in the midst of the storms of life. The Bible says in Romans 8 and verse number 31, what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who, who can be against us? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is nobody with God on your side, with the hand of God in your life, with the presence of God upon you. Listen, you cannot fail. You cannot fall. Now, these great statements of faith made throughout the Bible, listen, they repeatedly remind us that no matter the circumstances we face, no matter the enemy that threatens us, with God on our side, we can prevail and we can prosper. Can I ask you a question this morning? The Lord was with Joseph. No doubt about it. Is he with you? Is he with you today? Will he be with you tomorrow when you get up and you begin your work week, whatever it is that, that God has given you to do, whatever path that the Lord has chosen for you to live, the things that you do as a, a, on a daily basis? Is God going to be with you? Is he with you? I don't mean, I don't mean yes, he's in my life, but I'm talking about is he, uh, is he, is he walking closely with you? Are you walking closely with him? Are you seeing evidence of his divine, powerful hand? Are you seeing evidence where he is making the things that you touch to prosper? Are you seeing evidence of those things? Is the Lord with your family? Is your family just one, uh, is it just one chaos after another, one, uh, one dispute after another, or is there some semblance of peace and harmony in your home? What makes the difference? God's hand upon a life makes the difference. Let me ask this question, is the Lord with our church? Is he here among us today? When we gather, when we meet, can we, can we sense his presence and his power as he Stirring in us as he moving us to do great things and to go forward for the Lord. Is 
the Lord a part of your life? Is he a part of your family? Is he a part of our church like he was with Joseph? I believe there are several signs in this text that give evidence that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord's presence in a life is easily identified. I said as we were reading the text that even even a pagan man like Potiphar, who knew not the Jehovah God of the Hebrew people, even a, even a pagan man like Potiphar could look at Joseph's life and he could say, there's something different about that boy. I don't know that I could fully, fully put my hand upon it. I don't, I don't know that, uh, that, that I can give every answer to every question, but there's, there's a difference in that young man. He's not like anybody else. The answer, listen, the answer is the Lord was with him. It was unmistakable proof that he indeed was a man of God and that God's hand was upon him. I want you to consider what that looked like in the life of Joseph. And I want you to ask yourself this question. Is God's hand upon me and upon my life and upon my family and upon our church like it was upon Joseph? Notice number one, the Lord was with him when he was all alone. The Lord was with him. When he was all alone, would you look in verse number one? And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him. He was a slave. He bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. Well, that's a sad verse, isn't it? We read verse one and we think, well, that stinks. Well, that's really unfortunate. We might even begin to ask the question, God, Why? Why would you, why would you write that into the script of this young, young man's life? But listen, we're not left without hope for very long, are we? From the very second verse, <laughs> Joseph's a slave. He's bought of the hands of the Ishmaelites by a man by the name of Potiphar. He no longer gets to see his daddy on a daily basis. He no longer gets to see his brothers and family, although that probably wasn't a bad thing considering the strife and the turmoil that existed among them. Well, that's really unfortunate, but I'm reminded, I'm reminded that the Lord was with him when he was all alone. Pastor James Moore of Houston, Texas, tells a story about a young man whose wife had passed, unexpectedly leaving him with a small son to raise on his own. The day she was buried, they came home from the cemetery, and father and son went to bed early because, frankly, there was nothing else either of them could bear to do. As the father lay there in the darkness, grief-stricken and heartbroken, he could hear his little boy's voice crying out, breaking the stillness of this moment from his little bed in another room with a disturbing question, Daddy, Daddy, where is Mommy? The father got out of his bed. He went to be close to his boy. He brought him into his bed with him and the child remained disturbed and restless, occasionally asking questions such as, why isn't she here and when is she coming back? Finally, the little boy said to his daddy in the darkness, Daddy, if your face is toward me, I think I can go to sleep now. The father lay there in the darkness. And then in childlike faith, he whispered this prayer, Oh God, I don't see how I can survive this. The future looks so miserable, but, but if your face is toward me, I think I can make it. I'm thinking to myself that perhaps Joseph had a moment like that in his life. 
He's drug away from his family, drug away from everything that he knows, everything that is familiar. Perhaps maybe they've even tied him up. He's a slave being taken down to Egypt as he stands there on the auction block and he looks around. He doesn't know anyone. He doesn't understand what is being said. It's a foreign country. It's a foreign land. It's a new culture. And I just wonder, I wonder if he says, dear, dear Lord, if your face will be upon me, if you'll just look toward me, if I can see your face, I can make it through this trial. The presence of God is not bound, listen, it is not bound to the same laws our physical nature is bound to. I tell every person that I see before a surgery that I cannot accompany you into the operating room, but I know someone who can, and it's not the doctor, and it's not the nurses. No, God will go with you into that room. You may feel like you're all alone right now, that the world has forgotten your very existence that no one cares where you are, but I'm here to remind you that God cares and that God is just a whispered prayer away. Why did, why, why, why did Jonah communicate? With, uh, who did Jonah communicate with in the belly of the fish? It was God. Who did Moses meet with on the backside of the wilderness? It was God. Who came and ministered to Elijah when he was a day's journey from any other human being? I'm just simply saying, you may feel as if you're all alone today. Even in a sea of people, it's possible for us to feel all alone. But I'm here to remind you that our God, our God can be with us even when we feel all alone. The Bible says in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 10, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence. If I ascend up into heaven, if that were possible, Lord, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. The psalmist is saying, it is not possible to flee from God. It is not possible to be in a place where God is not able to reach you. Listen, I don't know where you're at today. I I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what has unfolded in your life. I I don't know the aloneness and the weariness that that might bring into your life, but I'm here to remind you, listen, it doesn't matter where you are, God can be with you. The Lord was with Joseph when he was all alone. Notice, secondly, the Lord was with him and made him to prosper. Verse number two, the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man. I have to tell you, it isn't unusual, it is not at all unusual for a man to prosper. In fact, we look all around us and we see prosperous men living here in this country. I suppose that uh, prospering to certain people happens pretty routinely, but I want to remind you that Joseph was not a free man living in a capitalistic society, born with a silver spoon in his mouth, free to seek his own opportunities. No, Joseph was a slave of Potiphar's, living in a foreign land. And I just have to remind you, very few people ever got rich by being a slave. Slaves are expected just to survive. Slaves are not expected to thrive. But that is exactly what Joseph did. Now, what made the difference? I think you're probably one step ahead of me. God made the difference. His brothers had stripped him of his coat. The Ishmaelites had stripped him of his dignity. Slavery had tried to strip him of his identity. But listen, no one, no one could ever strip God's hand of power and blessing from his life. Isn't that encouraging to know? 
you can go to work tomorrow and you can lose your job and uh, you could perhaps go, go home sometime this week and you could lose your family. You could have a doctor's appointment this week in which you could lose your health. Uh, you, could, uh, you could wake up one morning and there could be a stock market crash and you could lose all of your money. But I'm here to tell you there's one thing that you cannot lose and that is the power of God upon you. God's hand can rest upon you. You walk closely with him and you stay close to him and you can discover God's presence and power in your life no matter the circumstances that are going on around you. When we think of prospering, we often jump right to financial prosperity. And I'm sure Joseph's presence and hard work brought a sense of financial blessing to Potiphar's house. But notice, notice that the Bible says that this prosperity was not limited to mere finances. Would you look in verse number three? And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. I gather from that that this was much more than just finances. That everything that Joseph touched, everything that Joseph was involved in prospered and succeeded. I began to think if Joseph as a slave was working in the garden that on a particular day the garden prospered. If Joseph was working in the office, if there was such a thing, working with books and perhaps managing things, then it prospered. If Joseph was working on developing relationships and perhaps trying to improve the morale of those around him, it prospered. If Joseph was doing anything at all, it prospered. I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be able to just prosper in one area. I thought some about that this week. I don't want to be a good pastor, but a lousy husband and a lousy father. I want to, if I can, I want to be both. I I want God's hand to be upon me when I come to work, but I want God's hand to be upon me when I go home. And I want the relationship with my wife and my children to be right. I I don't want to be a great family man. And just, boy, we, we're doing great in our home, but, but, but struggling as a, uh, as, as, a, as, a, as a co-worker and as a, and as a friend. I want to prosper in everything that God gives me to do. And in order to do that, I must have the Lord's hand upon me. The Bible says, instructions given to Joshua shortly after the death of Moses. Here's what God said to him in Joshua 1. Only be thou strong and very courageous. That thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have you, have you, feel, have you felt in recent days like you're struggling to prosper? Can I, can I drive you back to God's word? Can I remind you that we cannot succeed and we cannot prosper apart from God? So many times we, we try to do everything on our own. We try to work through things on our own. If I could just figure out a better way, if I could just come up with a better plan, I wonder if maybe, I wonder if maybe the key to prospering in our lives It's not you coming up with a better plan and you trying to figure things out on your own and you trying to be clever and just trying to say the right thing. Then I wonder, just wonder, maybe just maybe the plan for you and I prospering and succeeding is getting into this book again and reading it and studying it. And the Bible says, observing to do according to all that is written therein. And then, then he says, then thou shalt 
find good success, and then thou shalt make thy way prosperous. Listen to what the Bible says about the blessed man in Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. You see, what's the law of the Lord? It's this book. It's his delight. It's in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate or think on day and night. And he, notice, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And read that last phrase with me. It's right there on the screen. And whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. Listen, the key, the key to prospering is not a brilliant mind. It's not a body that is healthy and strong. The key to prospering is not who you know or the opportunities that you get. No, no, listen. The key to prospering is knowing God. It's God's hand and God's power and God's presence resting upon your life. The key to prosper as a good husband isn't to make a lot of money so that you can buy your wife everything she needs. The key to prosper as a father isn't just going to every one of your kids' ball games, teaching them certain things. No, no, the key to prospering is God's hand being upon your life. The key to prospering at work isn't more education, continuing education units. It's none of those things. It's not trying to, uh, trying to get ahead. It's not trying to cut other people down. It's not working longer hours. No, the key to prospering is knowing God and God knowing you. Joseph was a slave. Joseph was the least of all. And yet the Bible tells us that God's hand was upon him and that made all the difference in his life. And that God made everything that he did to prosper. Notice thirdly, the Lord was with him and made him to be at peace with his enemies. The Lord was with him. And when God's hand is upon you, it enables you, enables me, enables all of us to be at peace with our enemies, look in verse number four, and Joseph found grace in his sight and he served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had, he put into his hand. Potiphar purchased Joseph and probably assumed he was getting cheap labor at a cheap price. He likely didn't care where Joseph was from nor what it was that had brought him to this place. I don't think he was really all that interested in Joseph's life story. Just wanted to know, Joseph, can you work hard? Will you do what you're told? But the first sign of Joseph not working hard or Joseph uh, maybe being involved in any inappropriate activity, he would be beaten just like the rest of the slaves likely would have been without mercy. Joseph was destined to spend the rest of his life under the hand of this master with little hope of ever being free to enjoy life, to be successful, to raise a family. This was what Joseph was up against. This was the life of a slave. But with God's hand upon his life, still his master Potiphar began to notice a difference between Joseph and the other slaves he owned. As a result, the Bible says that Joseph found grace in his sight. The word grace means kindness, favor, Joseph's presence in Potiphar's house might have begun making Joseph and Potiphar, might have begun with Joseph and Potiphar being, being adversaries, but it wasn't long before Potiphar could see that Joseph was different, leading him to prefer Joseph in his treatment of them, maybe even leading them to become friends. 
Perhaps you can think of someone in your life that when you see them or when their name is brought up, in your mind you instantly think adversary. Adversary. And I don't know why that might be. Perhaps there's some history there that has happened. There have been some things that have fallen out between the two of you. But when you see that person, when you think of that person, when you hear that person's name mentioned, you immediately think adversary. I want to challenge you to try something this week. I want to challenge you to show them grace. So what does grace mean here in this particular context? It means kindness. It means favor. As, as Potiphar saw Joseph there, he, he was brought into his home just to be one of, the, one of the slaves. Perhaps on the day that Potiphar bought him, maybe he bought several others as well. Maybe he came with a group. I don't know all that that would have looked like in those days. Perhaps there were some quarters that they all would have resided in. Maybe they would have been fed a certain amount of food each and every day, and there really probably wasn't a whole lot of interaction between Potiphar and the rest of the slaves. But as Potiphar began to observe Joseph, and he could tell that the Lord was with him, he could tell that God's hand was upon his life, Potiphar began to notice something's different about him. And as a result, Potiphar began to go out of his way to show him kindness and favor. The text seems to indicate that he, he preferred him, that he maybe gave him a better seat. Perhaps maybe he gave him a little bit more food. Perhaps he began to give him better jobs. Can I just, can I just say that perhaps as you look at your life and you think of the adversarial relationships that you might have, you might have to ask yourself the question, well, maybe if I, maybe if I got God's power upon me a little bit more, maybe this would turn. Maybe if I went to work and I, and I went filled with the Holy Spirit of God, maybe my boss would treat me a little bit differently. Maybe, maybe, if I, maybe if I sought God early each and every day and I fell upon my face and I confessed my sin and I asked Him to fill me with His Holy Spirit and I read His Word and I determined that I was going to obey what I read in that Word on that particular day. Maybe, just maybe, it would affect the relationships that I have with my spouse, with my coworkers, with my neighbors and with my friends, maybe even with my fellow church members. Do you suppose that might make a difference? Instead, far too many times, we ignore God. We cross God out of our lives and we go about living life in our own strength, in our own power, in the power of our own flesh. And you know what happens when, when we live in the power of our own flesh? Nothing ever good happens. We find ourselves at odds with other people. We find ourselves wrestling to be first and trying to get everything to be just our way but a spirit-filled individual, the Bible, the Bible says that Paul wrote, and he says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Here's what I've discovered. I can't live that way in the power of my own flesh, and neither can you. If I'll fall down on my face before God, and I'll yield my heart and my life to the Lord, what, I, what I'll discover is a power is a power to live life differently than the rest of the world lives it. You know, what I, you know what you find? You'll begin to find, I believe you'll begin to find that God helps you even to be at peace with your enemies. And God's hand is upon you. Those people right now that, that you sort of don't like, that are sort of adversarial towards you, you start living a life that is spirit-filled, and I believe it won't be long before you'll discover they begin to treat you a little differently. 
Do your neighbors, coworkers, and family members, do they, see, do they see a difference in you? Now think about that for just a moment. When they think about you, do they think about you and do they think, you know, there's something different about him? You say, well, yeah, they know I go to church. That's not what I'm talking about. Lots of people go to church. By the way, Joseph didn't even go to church. He didn't have a church to go to. And yet God's hand was upon him. I'm not talking about they go to church. They're nice people. Listen, the world is full of nice people. I'm not asking asking if you're nice. Let's let's raise the standard just a little bit. We we can do better than nice, can't we? No, I'm talking about is, are you godly? And can the world see godliness in you, the presence of God in a life, should, should stand out in a world filled with sin and wickedness? You know, there's an incredible verse that is given to us in the book of Acts, and it's going to appear on the screen, but I want you to just take your Bible and go there with me, would you? I want you to see it on the pages. If you have a Bible, go to Acts chapter 4. Would you go to Acts chapter 4? In the beginning of the book of Acts, Christ has just ascended back to heaven, and the early church is absolutely exploding in growth. Amazing, incredible things are happening. And there are adversaries. By the way, there will always be adversaries to the work of God. And I want you to notice, I want you to notice what takes place. Notice, if you would, in verse number 13. Now, when they, speaking of the enemies, the adversaries, speaking of the religious leaders, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, you know, you know, you know what that means? That means when they saw God's hand was upon their life when they could see the presence and the power of God upon them and that there was a boldness that existed there. Notice what it says, when they saw uh, saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. They marveled. Notice. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. When you go to work, when you go to your neighborhood, do people look at you and they say, he's been with Jesus? Does church do you any good whatsoever? Or do you come on Sunday morning and you sit in the pew and you worship and praise and sing and maybe even give? But you know what? If you turn around and you go home and it doesn't make any difference in your life, you might as well save yourself a couple of hours. No, no, listen, listen. God designed the Christian life to be in, lived in such a way that people can perceive. They can tell there's something different about him. There's something different about her. They're not like everybody else. People that don't even know Jesus can see his hand upon our lives. Peter and John, they were unlearned and they were ignorant. As you look at your life today, you might say, yeah, I kind of feel very similarly. I don't feel like I have any extraordinary gifts that stand out. You don't need extraordinary gifts to stand out. You just need Jesus. You just need the hand of God to be upon you. You just need for the same thing to be said about you that was said about Joseph, that the Lord was with him. And with God's hand upon our lives, oh, he can make us to be at peace with our enemies. I've discovered that the lost world has a hard time. They have a hard time finding fault with a spirit-filled man or woman, a liar, a cheater, profane, lazy, or immoral person will find many men at odds with him or with her. But the fruit of the Spirit, listen, the fruit of the Spirit in a life produces pleasant and precious things 
in which it's really hard, it's really hard to be at odds with an individual possessing these things. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. That's, that's life transforming. When a man's ways please the Lord. In other words, here, here's what, the Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare. We need to forget about trying to please our fellow man. You need to forget about trying to please your boss, trying to please your spouse, trying to please this person, that person. Here's what you need to work on. You need to work on pleasing the Lord. You please the Lord, and I've discovered all of these other things will fall into place. That's what God tells us in his word. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. The Bible says in Colossians 1 and verse number 10 that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. If you and I are just determined to be fruitful in every good work, you know what happens? We'll be awful pleasing to those that we interact with. Most importantly, we'll be pleasing to the Lord. Notice, fourthly and lastly, the Lord was with him and made those nearest him to prosper. Did you look in verse number five? Going back to Genesis 39. Genesis 39 and verse number five, the Bible says, and it came to pass, from the time that he had made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. Say, so why, why, why should I long? Why should I long for this? Why should I long for the presence and power of God in my life? Some of you might be asking, why should I, when this service comes to a conclusion, perhaps find a place at this altar and beg and plead with God that he would pour out his hand of blessing upon me? Why should I get up early tomorrow morning before the rest of the house rises and in the darkness of those morning hours, why should I read a selection from God's word? And why should I find myself on my knees crying out to God? Why should I try to please God? Why should I try to live a holy life? Why? Good question. Here's why. Because not only does it directly benefit you and where you're living, by giving you an eternal friend, by causing you to prosper and making you to be at peace with your enemies, but here's what I've discovered. It also has a powerful effect on those closest to you as well. Some of you in here today, you could give testimony to the fact that you had a godly mama or a godly daddy or both. And you are where you are today because of them, humanly speaking. Some of you could say, you know, you know, I am where I am today because I had a godly pastor who loved me and who poured into me, who prayed for me, and who preached messages for me week after week, who fed me with the word of God. Spirit-filled husbands, listen, spirit-filled husbands bless their wives. You want to make your marriage better? Get close to the Lord. Do things His way. Spirit-filled mamas bless their babies. Spirit-filled church members bless their pastor and church family. Spirit-filled employees bless their places of employment. Joseph's presence in Potiphar's house blessed Potiphar and everyone else that was living underneath that roof. The Bible says that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And may it be said that God blessed my house and God blessed your house 
for your sake and for my sake because we got close to God and because we got the power and presence of God to rest upon us. There have been many times in my life when I've been blessed, not because I've earned it or because I've done anything to deserve it, but simply because I've been near spirit-filled people. Some of you say, why do I need church? You know why you need church? Because it's the time in the week where you can get around other spirit-filled people. You get around other spirit-filled people and it will make a tremendous difference in your life. Why do you need a pastor? Because Lord willing, God will give you a pastor who's spirit-filled. Why do you need to marry a godly person? Why do you need to marry someone who knows the Lord? Because you're going to live with him every day for the rest of your life. And you'll find that many times God will bless you, not because of you necessarily, but because you're near to someone who knows the Lord. And God's hand is upon them. I am who I am today. Humanly speaking, I am where I am today because I had godly influences in my life. I grew up in a home with a mom and dad who loved God and loved God's word and sought God's face and who God had his hand of blessing upon them. And it rubbed off on me in a positive way. The power and presence of God is contagious. We've heard a lot in recent days about contagious viruses and diseases. I want you to know there's some contagious things that are good. And this is one of them. You know what your children need? Your your children don't need a a physically healthier mom and dad. They don't need a mom and dad that make better money, that have better jobs, that have nicer cars. They don't need to go to a better school. They They don't need those things. What they need is they need a daddy who knows God. They need a mama who knows how to get a hold of God and who God has his hand of blessing upon her. That's what your kids need. More than anything in this world, that's what they need. You want God to bless your marriage and home? You want God to bless your church, your workplace, your neighborhood? Maybe, just maybe, it starts with you. And it starts with me. Let's quit waiting. Quit waiting around for others to get right. And let's determine ourselves to do right, to be right, and to live right. And then, just maybe then, we'll discover God's blessing and hand upon us and upon our activities. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. The Lord was with Joseph. Is he with you? Is he in your marriage? Is he in your home? Is he in your workplace? Do you want him to be? Does it matter? I've often marveled at Joseph's steadfastness in the face of such difficulty. How was he able to go on all alone in Egypt? Well, here's how he was able to go on, because he understood a key truth. He wasn't all alone. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment. I don't remember you here today say, Pastor Pete, I I sort of feel all alone. I'm, I'm I'm in a season right now in which just not sure where my place is. Perhaps you've gone through some loss. You've experienced some hardship. Dealing with some things. This is between you and the Lord. God spoke to your heart this morning in this message. You said, I needed that reminder. That though I may be all alone in some respects, no one may understand what, where I'm at and what I'm going through and what I'm dealing with. Oh, my heart was lifted with hope to be reminded that I'm not really all alone. That God's with me, God knows, and God is more than capable of ministering to me during my hour of need. 
No one's looking around. I won't call you out or embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. If that's you this morning, say, God spoke to me about that specifically today. Would you simply lift your hand up long enough for me to see it? God dealt with me. God encouraged my heart. Keep it up for a moment. Just want to take a look around all over this room. Isn't it amazing that we can be in a crowd of hundreds of people? We can be, we're, we're surrounded by people. We live in a massive city. More than a million people living within a few miles of where we are. And yet sometimes we can feel all alone. I want you to know something. God sees, God knows. God is with you. The God that was with Joseph wants to be with you. Will you open your heart to his presence? I wonder how many of you here today say, Pastor Peter, I don't know for sure. I don't know for sure that I'm even saved. You say, what does that mean? That just simply means that if you were to die today, say, Pastor Peter, I'm not sure that I'd go to be with God in heaven. I don't know that if I were to die today that heaven would be my home. Or if the trumpet were to sound today and Christ were to return, I don't know that I'd go to be with him, but I'm concerned about that. Again, no one's looking around. I won't call you out or embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you. If you're here today, say, Pastor Pete, I don't know for sure where my eternal destiny is, but I'm concerned about it. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you slip your hand up long enough for me to see it? All over the room, folks lifting their hands. God bless you. Thank you. I see those hands there. I don't know for sure that if I were to die today, that if the trumpet were to sound today, or if it was my day to go, that I would go to be with God in heaven, but I'm concerned about that. Anyone else? Anyone else? Would you lift it long enough for me to see it? Pray for me. Pray for me. In just a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to begin to sing a hymn of invitation. And if you're here today and you'd like to be saved, can I invite you to step out, to respond to the invitation, to come and to trust Jesus Christ. One of our personal workers will be here at the front. They have a Bible and they can show you from God's word how you can be saved. I pray that you'll come and that you'll respond. I don't know how many of you here today say, Pastor Pete, I, I am saved but I don't suppose that God's hand is on my life like it was on Joseph's life. God knows my heart, and I long for that. I want that. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me that just as God was with Joseph, that he'll be with me? Just as Joseph went into a difficult situation, I can see on the horizon some difficult situations that I'm going to encounter. I want God to be with me. God spoke to my heart very clearly about that this morning. If that's you this morning, would you lift your hand? I need the power and presence of God in my life. Would you lift your hand up long enough for me to see it all over the room? Many of you, wonderful. My hand's lifted as well. Ought to be the sincere desire of every born-again believer in this room to have what Joseph had on him. Oh, look what it does. Look what it does to an individual. Look what it does to a home. Look what it does to a country. We haven't gotten there yet. Look what it does to a world. Joseph made a transformative difference in Egypt and in the world because the Lord was with him. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Would you stand?